Latakia, a port city in Syria, Father Nadim Nassar is the only Syrian priest in the C of E. This week I caught up with him about his first book, The Culture of God, The Syrian Jesus, Reading the Divine Mind, Sailing into the Divine Heart. We talked about growing up in the region where Christ was born, how his faith was shaped by living through four wars and bringing passion and emotion to ministry. Remember, if you don't subscribe to Church Times, you can go to www.churchtimes forward slash subscribe. So, Nadim, you were the first Syrian priest in the Church of England, and you've been my here. <laughs> you've been here for twenty years now. Yes. Um, we recently profiled other priests who were born in other countries, and one of them told us that his heart was still in his home country. Um, and I wondered if you could say a bit about whether you still feel a tension um, between your new home here in the Church of England and the region that you're from. Yes, I think. Uh, I can't get out of my skin of identity being a Syrian, having lived in, in Syria and Lebanon and in the Near East uh, a long time. So, yes, I am Syrian and um, I don't feel there is a tension between being Syrian and living in this country and being a citizen here. I feel exactly the same passion and the same affection for this country. This country, and especially London, have given me a lot. I'm indebted to this country and to London, uh, meeting wonderful people like yourself and and so many wonderful people who stood by me. Uh, the Awareness Foundation wouldn't have been possible without fantastic people around me who supported me, encouraged me. Yes, I don't feel tension, I feel harmony between the two. That's good to hear. One of the things that you mentioned in the book, um, you're drawing on elements of the culture in the place that you're from. Yes. And you say that your passion can be misinterpreted. So sometimes people have seen you talking to your sister and they think you're angry, whereas <laughs> you, you sort of explain yes. that it's, it's just emotion, it comes from the heart. Yes. Um, and you argue that passion and reason can go hand in hand. Um, and something that made me think about was Michael Curry's sermon at the Royal Wedding and how many people yes. were sort of having this conversation about whether we need more passionate preaching. Um, and I wondered what your views are on that, whether actually the CV could do with more passion. Mm -hmm. You, you've you've uh, nailed it. I think there is a difference, uh, uh, Madeline, between passion and anger. Anger can blind the reason. And I can say things out of anger without control. And then I can regret what I have said. And, mm -hmm. and then reason kicks in. And I, I, I ask myself, oh, goodness me, what have I said? I hurt the person, but passion does not blind reason because it comes from the heart. Talk about some of the elements of biography in the book, um, particularly you draw on your experience of having lived through four major wars. Yes. At one point you talk about having to crawl through a library at your mm -hmm. seminary to avoid snipers Yes. Um, and even losing friends yes. um, during the Lebanese um, civil war. Um, I wonder if you could say a bit for our listeners about how that experience of living in a war zone shaped your faith. However, however you hear about war, and especially civil war, mm. however you hear about war, however and whatever you see on TV, 
whatever you read in books and in films and whatever you 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 have information about war it is nothing absolutely nothing equal to 60 seconds living there nothing being there for one single minute changes you forever so yes we used to crawl to the library and open the door without any light to crawl inside pick the books we needed and go back to the basement to write our essays mm. this this um what i call it inferno of beirut um explosions were waiting for us around every corner we didn't know when an explosion would blow mm. i remember one explosion very close to the to the school of theology blew up and and it was huge and a lot of casualties so the the red cross and all this rushed to the to the area among them was a friend of mine um and in the church so rushed to help the uh, the, the injured and after five minutes they planted another explosion mm. so that they maximize the injuries and the casualties and he died in the second explosion mm. so it was it was so evil to think in this way to kill as many people as possible so you question everything madeline you question your faith you question god you question um the scriptures you question the world i remember one african student we had he's he took the bible we saw him we saw him in shock and he threw the bible across the classroom and he said i am not here to 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 live like this and he left mm. it's it's not for everybody to live in this awful evil atmosphere mm. and you start you start question but with that the question is do you start a journey of answers mm. or do questions get bigger and bigger like an avalanche mm. so they might crush you in that atmosphere mm. and it could they could have crushed me mm. but thank god my sanity was saved by young people mm. because i was the the leader of the the uh, the protestant youth mm. in beirut and they kept my sanity mm. and you you go on to talk later in the book about the work that you're doing with young syrians yes, um, at the today moment, through yes. the young heroes program and and other things um when we've talked in the past you've expressed frustration um towards the church in mm-hmm. terms of the Syrian war and um i think a failure that you diagnosed to speak into that to work for peace um mm-hmm. even to be willing to have the discussion about something which was felt to be too complicated um i wonder if you could say a bit about um the situation today um there are signs from the UN that perhaps we're moving towards peace um there are questions about reconciliation about a political transition so how are you feeling at the moment not very optimistic but hopeful we live in hope mm. and um yes at the moment things are changing very quickly in syria 
and um, in, 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 in the book, I speak about the youth in Syria and how much they, they, they need attention. And yes, indeed, I criticize the leaders of the church. And, I, and let, let, let me tell you why. It is so naive and so shallow to understand the message of Christ as simply a humanitarian message that there is a, a disaster in one country, whether Syria or, or, or a different place, um, on that scale that nothing has in the world happened after Second World War with that evil and, and horrible destruction. And we concentrate on only provide a humanitarian uh, support or, a, or some humanitarian aid. The church has done that beautifully. And I, I don't underestimate that and, and I acknowledge that. But is this all for Christianity? My goodness, Christ was a revolutionary. Christ shook the ground under the chairs of the Pharisees. He challenged his society. He, he, was, he was a storm with the Pharisees. I, I say it in the book. He, he, Jesus Christ was, has, had two personalities. One personality, we see him, the gentle, the meek, the mild, the humble, the wonderful, the healer with the people. But when it came to the religious leaders, he was a storm. Mm. I, I was, we, you, don't, yeah. we don't talk about Matthew 23. We, we avoid Matthew, Matthew 23 altogether mm. because it is scary. Mm. Woe to you, the Pharisees and scribes. I'm, they, where is this passion that the church has to challenge our politicians, to challenge why are we still selling arms to the Middle East? Why are we still fueling the, the war and the conflict there? How could, how could the prime minister get away with saying, oh, we don't want to get involved in, in Syria? What? Are you telling me you have not been involved before? Britain has been involved from day one. So where is the voice of the church that challenges where is our prophetic voice? I don't see it. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, I, I like the phrase that you use in the book of a volcanic Jesus. Yes. You talk about a volcanic Jesus. Um, another thing that you talk about, which you sort of touched on, is you say Christians in the Near East don't need blankets, tents and food. They need recognition and they need spiritual, moral and existential support. Um, I think I found in my work that, that Christians here have quite a difficult relationship perhaps with, with Christians in the region because they don't know whether to just adopt a really simple narrative of persecution mm -hmm. um, and perhaps risk acknowledging how much more complex it is than that and the resilience of Christian communities or are they guilty of avoiding talking about persecution sort of for fear of what that conversation might lead to so what what can we do in terms of this kind of existential support that you talk about what would that look like? Don't talk to us uh, only as victims. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when there is a danger of if you talk to us as Christians in the in the Near East as um, persecuted, then we are the victims mm -hmm. and and we lament our our situation. I, I am. I don't feel 
victimized only. So, and don't, I say always, always to the church, don't talk to us as victims. And don't talk to us as people in need and we are giving you aid. This is horrible. Engage with us. Mm -hmm. Talk to us as original and native group in that region that belonged to that society from the beginning, from the time of Jesus Christ and the time of St. Paul. Mm -hmm. So don't treat us as if we, we, we were immigrant to the Near East. Mm -hmm. Sorry guys, Syria was Christian for 600 years before Islam. Mm -hmm. So don't teach us how to be Christians. Mm -hmm. But what we need, we need a proper and true engagement that respects our roots and our history. And don't patronize us with, with coming from, from above only because you have the money. <laughs> and we, we, are, we are under pressure. So this is what I feel the, the church is missing, that, that the proper engagement with the Christians in the, in, in the Near East. Yeah. I think your book feeds into that really nicely because um, many of the chapters are you explaining to the reader um, how we can understand the Bible, the culture and the stories um, in the time and the place in which they were written. And um, you give so many examples of the ways in which people and places that you grew up around are not that different from those that Jesus loved. That's true. Um, and I was really struck by the story of you going out um, to sea during a storm with your brother, who is as a captain, yeah. because there are several stories of Jesus being on a boat um, with his disciples. Um, so I wondered to what extent you think that we are a bit hampered in our understanding or exegesis of the Bible if we don't engage with, with the culture in which it was written and perhaps what we have to learn from somebody who, who lived in a place that was not so different. Yes. Also stories which you try to explain which I struggle with, so for example you talk about the woman who talks about wanting the crumbs from the table, yes. which, which I think people really struggle to preach on yes. and I liked the way that you tried to ex explain that mm -hmm. and I found that really helpful. Well thank you and, and I have to say you know sometimes when I go to uh, commentaries, they pontificate mm -hmm. without taking the, the 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 culture of the text seriously, and and my book it was all about going back to the roots of the culture of the text. Mm. I'm I'm not here, you know, pontificating about just being coming from Syria, but I really lived a very similar culture mm. to 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 what Jesus lived. I I grew up. At, by the sea. I'm, I'm, I mean, my nickname in Syria, my friends, this is the first time I say, I say that, um, I, I am called the child of the sea or the sea son or the son of the sea. That Ibn al-Bahr in, in Arabic. They call me, when, when I paint, I sign Ibn al-Bahr in Arabic. So on, on the painting, I know that the sea. And when I was with my brother on, on the ship, and that storm hit the ship, and I was on the bridge with my, my brother. I thought, I mean, who would convince me, even Jesus himself, to open the door of the bridge and step outside the bridge? And here we go and take for granted the story of Peter, when, when Jesus said, not step out of the bridge, Peter, step out of the hall, ship to the to the sea 
well, that must be crazy. He, he, he did. And, and in the book, I tried to, 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 take, to take the story from different perspectives. How Jesus looked at the, the, the scene, how Peter looked at the scene, and how the disciples looked, looked at the scene. I'm sure the disciples looked at, G, at, at Peter and said, you are out of your mind. Where are you going? Where do you think you're stepping in? Out of the ship to the storm. So let's not take any story in the, in the, in the New Testament for granted and think we know it. No, we don't. Because the, the culture of the text, when we unfold it, it offers a lot. And this is what, what, what I'm trying to do, examples in the book. You also say at one point that a metaphorical resurrection is a cultural impossibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wondered to what extent you feel that the debate around a kind of metaphorical resurrection mm-hmm. is something of a luxury perhaps afforded to people who don't face real danger or even the threat of, of death for their beliefs. I Absolutely. What you were getting at. Do, do you think I could afford um, um, discussing a metaphorical res- resurrection in the basement in Beirut? Uh, do you think uh, uh, Peter and, and, and the guys there uh, uh, hiding in, in, a, in an upper room would have the luxury of a intellectual discussion. Hmm, let's see, maybe if we talk about the resurrection as an idea, that it, he is risen in us. Hey, 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 wait a minute. The upper room there was not Oxford, and not Cambridge, and not in a hall where all the robes are, were, were put on in an intellectual debate. Those people were scared to death. And if they had not seen and experienced the resurrection body and mind and soul and spirit in front of them, do you think they could afford sitting around the table discussing a metaphorical resurrection? Give me a break. You don't know what it means to be existentially under threat to lose your life. And then you tell me when you engage intellectually to discuss your faith. It's not for me, thank you. There was one other thing that I really wanted to ask you, which is that you dedicate the book to your mother. Yes, my dear um, mother. So I just wondered if you could say a bit for our listeners um, about your, your mum and why you dedicated it to her. I love my mother and I consider her a modern saint, not because she is my mother only, but I know what she went through. We grew up, we, I, I belong to a big family, six children, two sets of twins, one year apart, those twins, and all four have the same birthday. <laughs> On the birthday of the first set of twins, the second set of twins was born. And then a girl, and then myself, I'm, I'm the baby. Six children. She was a seamstress and she brought us up beautifully. And the passion, the love, she poured herself out for us. She, she I would say, she, she is in, in my life the embodiment of self-emptying person. And she warms my heart and my life and 
she gave me God in a beautiful way that empowered me in Beirut and kept me alive. Mm. Her voice, her presence, and yes, when I kiss her every single day, there is no day I remember in my whole life that passed without kissing my mother. I would kiss the garment of God. That's lovely. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.